Whenever the Cherokees split, there were some that stayed in North Carolina, northern Georgia, that did not go to Oklahoma. It just refused to. Some of them, like, stayed, cut their hair, tried to... Assimilate? Yep. If they were found out, they'd be shipped. So all the, like, the travel stuff was burned. That's where my lineage comes from. In this episode of For Goodness Sake, we have on Hunter the Chief Walls, a guitar player who's played in bands such as My Children, My Bride, As Cities Burn, and Better Off. I met him nearly a decade ago when I lived in Nashville and was pleased to find out he was traveling through on his honeymoon, so I snagged him for a quick catch-up. I hope you enjoy the episode. So were you a WWF guy or a WCW guy? Ooh. You were a WWF. We're jumping in hot. <laughs> <sighs> Growing up in the South, the only thing that we had was WCW. They would come really? through so you could see live was WCW. Wait, so wait, you said SmackDown earlier? Yep. Yep, yep, is yep. Smack, I don't remember. Is that WCW? No. WCW was is done, got bought out by WWF back in the day in 2001, so they are no more. That's when you were paying attention. That was kind of towards the end of when I was paying attention. I'm like I got think. out of it whenever I found a guitar at 13 years old. So I was born in 1990, and so... I'm I, 89. Okay, so yeah, we're right there. Right there. So like the late nineties was uh I should have been watching WWF, but everybody was watching WWF back then. And uh I know, and I, I was a WCW kid. I don't okay, know. Okay, okay. Yeah. But you grew up here and you still watched it? Like WCW? Yeah. That's interesting. Why is that weird? Just because like at that point so WCW came from this conglomerate called NWA back when wrestling was based out of just territories. So like the Southeast was its own territory, and this one promoter controlled the Southeast, and he did not go to, like, the Texas territory. That was run by a different promoter. And what Vince McMahon did with WWF was, like, completely just throw up a middle finger to everybody. and was like, well, I'm going to tour nationwide. I'm going to come to your town and promote my champion when... D- NWA at that time had like a world heavyweight champion and they shared them among the territories. So like, let's say Ric Flair was the champion of NWA. He would be in Texas and and work there for like, you know, a couple months until, you know, he worked with everybody that he could and then they would ship him off to the next territory. But everybody knew Ric Flair was the world heavyweight champion. Even in Vince McMahon's dad's territory, which was New York. So New York is where WWF came from. And uh I didn't I don't have any yeah, so you're dude, you're yeah, a real I'm OG. Deep in this, okay. brother. I'm de- yeah, I'm a I'm a geek when it comes to this stuff. But, so even though that they so when did that happen? The WWF bought eight, it and kind the, of just went national. Eighty five is kind of when he started okay. tep- stepping on other people's toes. So that was way before us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when did WCW because weren't they not national? Well, so whenever WWF became national in 85. Everyone copied them. Yeah, so they kind of banded all the rest of the promoters in the country kind of saw what the writing on the wall and they were like, we're going to have to do the same thing. So they kind of came together and created uh, WCW World Championship Wrestling. And that was their answer to try to fight WWF. compete against Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they lost in the end. They did lose in the end. So, and I always kind of felt like I was, I've always the guy who's, Growing up, kind of like a little bit behind. Like I had the GameCube. I didn't have the 64. PlayStation, whatever it was. You know, I didn't have like, I had the Dreamcast. I didn't have the PlayStation 2, whatever it was. Yeah. And it was kind of like this with WCW. I was the WCW guy. Like I was the, <laughs> I guess Hulk Hogan was a, a big dog and he was at the WCW, right? At that point. But yeah, that's was, when I was in it. 
Okay, he was the one that put WWF on the map in 85. Way back when. He was the WrestleMania guy. He was guy. a WWF guy. Yeah. So do you know the NWO? You remember that? Yes. From, yeah. Okay, so that was well, the... So I was, I was Macho Man Randy Savage. That was my dude. Okay, okay. Yeah. So he was originally uh, a WWF guy as well. But yeah. so basically what happened that like catapulted WCW in the mid-90s Dude, this this is geek stuff, but it's good. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, okay, so what happened was uh, there were two talents that were at WWF who came to WCW. Okay, but th- the guy running it at the at the time, Eric Bischoff, he had this idea, basically saying, "Let's let's not tell people that they're actually working for us. Let's create this angle." saying that the WWF guys are infiltrating WCW and they're trying to mess up our oh, promotion. so it ruined the trust within WCW type of thing? That's what they were portraying. Yeah. But what actually happened was it looked like, so like it was rivals, you know, yeah. back then it was WWF or WCW. And then all of a sudden you see two WWF guys coming into WCW and causing trouble and trying to ruin WCW. Everybody was like, screw these guys, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And they were like, we have a third guy uh, of the NWO, and they didn't tell who it was going to be. And then it ended up being Hulk Hogan, who was like the top, you know, yeah. shelf guy at WWF at, in eighty, you know, the late eighties and stuff like that. So that was kind of like super disruptive. Yeah, but okay. it, it just like that was the coolest thing going in the nineties was yeah. NWO. I, I knew WWF was kind of like OG. It was cooler. You know, it was more edgy. It was, it was more edgy, way more edgy. There was that uh, event that happened. Well, even even McMahon himself would get involved in the WrestleManias. Yeah, and uh, I remember watching. I guess Steve. O- no, no, no. I'm thinking um, Icon. Icon versus Icon. No, yeah. Well, I'm thinking Undertaker throwing okay. um, what's his name, Mankind off the cage, okay. down through the cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the that was the biggest event ever. Yep. Still is. A lot of people talk about it today. So. Is that like cheesy stuff for like the people in the world? No, 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 dude. So funny story is uh, I met my now wife in 2020. And for the first maybe like six months, it was it was great, but it was miserable for me of us watching television and stuff because all we would do <laughs> is watch like uh, the, like uh, drama stuff, like oh, okay. The Bachelorette yeah. and Love Island and all this stuff. Yeah. And it was like, how much more can you watch of this yeah. stuff? And so I was trying to get her to like, where's some common ground that we can find, you know, to watch anything other than this? And uh, that was it. There was, okay. So it, let me we it. got there, yeah. but how we got there was, uh, do you remember the show Wife Swap? I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. or like trading spouses yes, or whatever. Exactly. So there was, an episode of a celebrity version of that. And one of them was Mick Foley. Mankind. No way. Yeah. And so I was like, let's watch this. And she still at that time had never watched wrestling at all. And so, you know, we, she, we watched it and she just fell in love with Mick as a person. Yeah. She was like, he's just so Humble. lovable. So yeah. lovable. And then, uh, a couple months later I was like, uh, do you want to try to watch wrestling? And she was like, okay, put on a match. And I picked that you match. You better pick was, that one. Yeah, that's yeah. one way to get involved. Yeah, and so, you know, by, you know, the, the second pull minute, it up, course. the second minute he gets thrown. Undertaker, Vince, uh, Mankind. Um, mankind, it yeah. was It was the second ever Hell in the Cell in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. In, in 98. I wonder yeah. if we'd get copyright for this, because it's like a thing. 
I don't know, man. We just just Roll go on a risk. Let's yeah. try it. Do you know this chorus? Are you familiar? No, this is like way out of my <laughs> really. Real, so yeah, he's younger. No okay, chorus is a little bit younger. Yeah, I think you were. What, what year were you born? Uh, ninety five. Ninety five. Okay, so you're yeah five years, uh, six years different from me. Um, dude, this was the event, and when this happened, this was like the Super Bowl with um, Justin Timberlake and sure. You know, it was that type of yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you, you know, go to the uh, if you could find the actual match. This is looks like a reunion or something. Yeah, when you can find it. But uh but yeah, it was it was so now she's like just as big of a fan as really? me. And so it like wrestling has brought our marriage to a whole new level. It's That's wonderful. awesome. So do you guys see events? Oh yeah. She's been to she just said it. We were at uh we were coming out here, um, and we stopped in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was eight hours from where we live in Mississippi, and so that was kind of like the first stop. And it just so happened that WWE was going to be in in Tulsa that night, so we got tickets on the way up. That there. is crazy. Sat third row, and that was great. It was wonderful. So I've I've been I think maybe twice. And here it is. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Okay, so this is like two minutes into the start of the match. This is how the match starts. <laughs> They're not even in the And it the wasn't cage. even supposed to happen, right? The way that it... No, 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 no. So the only person who knew that it was going to happen was Mick and Taker. And, like, they didn't even tell Vince at the time because he would have never approved really? it. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that part. Absolutely not, no. He would have never approved well, it. Well, probably the liability. <laughs> right. And, I mean... So for those who are just listening, we have two two dudes on a giant... Box giant. Okay, okay. It, yes, chain link fence box. Okay, so what you don't know is at that point when it started caving yeah. in of them stepping on it, the the cage was actually zip tied to those steel. Oh, that, that's the only so thing breaking, holding them. And they're heavy. They're <laughs> two, big, big dudes. Two, this is a really big pounds. liability. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's nothing. It's like thirty feet. Oh, geez. crash through a table. This call. Jim Ross, legend. As God is my witness, he is broken in half. That killed him. That killed him. How did they like keep it together? Because they they didn't even know. They no, must no, not no, have been, no. no. All that was complete authentic. That's what's crazy about wrestling is like. You, you don't know what's going to happen. There's injuries that happen all the time. So tell me this, and we don't have to, you know, go all in on wrestling, but you, you know, do the, how much do they know in rehearse beforehand, or do they kind of just say, "Hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna have a fun time, and we're gonna I'm gonna win." Yeah. So like the uh, the ending is determined depending on who's gonna. It's called going over. Who's gonna go over? Uh, who's gonna win? And uh, typically, the person that is. Like the vet in the ring will be called the ring general, and he'll be calling the match. So, like whenever they so lock the, yeah, up, they, they talk. They, yeah, they talk the whole time. That's what's crazy. Okay, so, I know, never he, knew that he'll be. You know, have him in like a headlock or whatever on the ground, and you know, punch him. And in between punches, he's like, you know, throw me into the ropes, duck the clothesline over the top, you know, and then they'll do the spot. You know what's crazy is everybody is like the biggest criticism back then, but maybe even still today is like it's fake. How do you like this? It's fake. Well, in a way, it is fake. Yeah. It's theater. But right. it's not fake. 
Like they're really harming themselves. Yeah, that, yeah. he really threw them off like yeah. a two-story building. <laughs> yeah, and he's onto like, a table. Yeah, he can't walk till yeah. his day, right? Yeah. What was the thing? His his wife has to put on his shoes every morning. Mick Foley. because of that event. Because, yeah. No way. Yeah. Because he because so the sec, was it the second job or the first drop? Did I just spoil something? Because there was two drops. There was two drops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, both of them messed him up. Yeah, because I think he landed like on his because he fell like not head first, but like. His top of his neck. Yeah. Pretty well. Yeah, that was brutal. I think he broke his back, did he not? I don't know if he broke his back that time, but he has broken his back. Yeah. For sure. Sold out for the fans. Did it for the fans. Yeah. And here we are talking about it. Like what? 20 years yeah. later. Crazy. And I'm not even a wrestling guy. Yeah. Well, I, I used to be. <laughs> so my uncle was, real quick, my uncle was a, uh, he was married to a woman who was married to the announcer of WCW. So when they came to town, he was like, hey. Let's go. I got front row seats. So I like wow. high five Lex Luger. I remember like all the, you know, these guys when I was a kid, it was like, this is crazy. Yeah. This is awesome. So so my thing with WCW uh, as a kid is I grew up in a little town just due west of Jackson, Mississippi called Clinton. And the big thing in Clinton was that's where Ted DiBiase lives still to this day. I don't know the, who that is. the million dollar man. Okay. Is uh, this, I don't, it was oh, in WCW so, era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he started in WWF, but came to WCW. He was in NWO at one point, but Ted DiBiase, he was still lives there to this day. Like, you can go to the Kroger. I don't know if y'all have Kroger out here, but we don't have Kroger. It's a grocery store. store. Yeah. Um, but you can see him pushing like a little individual shopping cart in his WWE tracksuit, getting organic okay, veggies so he's every, been day. Spotted. every day. Every day. Wow. Dude, he loves going into town. That's all That's the guy awesome. does. That's but, where you are? Uh, so we're actually on the other side of Jackson now, uh, called Flowood. But, okay. But yeah. And you, so how I know you is from Nashville. Mm. You, how long did you live there? Uh, just 11 years. Yeah. 11 years. Oh, I moved there time. in 2011. That was before me. Yeah. I was 2013, I believe. 20. Yeah. Yeah. And I so think you that's when I met you because you were living with Chuck, right, Charles? Yeah. Okay. So you, you played in a band better off, mm -hmm. still do. Uh, well, again, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this will be the first tour that I've done so with you them had since a break. 2016. But, I mean, they've toured, and they got other members and stuff, like, because there was, like, a lull of maybe a year and a half or something like that, and then I started playing with a band called As Cities Burn, and so that took up my time that, like, the better off tours and ACB tours overlapped, and I just couldn't do both, so. Okay, so they replaced you. Yeah, yeah, they had to. They yeah. had to, dude. But I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I don't blame you because as these burn for those who know, and, and I, I imagine most of the people that listen in in our age group will know that band was the band way back when. Is yeah. still, you know. So you just did the. I guess it's hard to say. Is it like the final final show? Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. we're done on that, and because uh, yeah, you know, because you know. Everybody kind of right. does those this, a lot. This would be yeah. the sixth breakup. The sixth last right? show, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it uh, Cody at this point feels like he uh, there's nothing left that he could do under that name. And so also 2020 kind of spread everybody. We were all based out of uh, Nashville up until 2020. And then Aaron lives in Utah now. Uh, Cody drums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron did drums. Uh, Cody and TJ are both back in Louisiana, and the, now I'm, I'm in uh, Mississippi. So okay, yeah. So they all left. Yeah, yeah. Everybody left. It was interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. Is Nashville the same? I don't think so. 
I mean, dude, like going from I moved there in 2011 to t- when you moved there, it, it wasn't the same. Really, and it just kept. Because you, know, you were cranes. They, if you went there, in twenty eleven, East Nashville was very. It was pretty uh, rough early on. Yeah, yeah, and it was pretty rough. That part of town. Yeah, was pretty I remember rough. like hearing, Dickerson Pike and like the Owl Farm back in the day. I don't know about the Owl Farm. Uh, it was a, it was a venue that was in East. That okay, it was like the punk rock thing to do. Okay. But yeah, it was it was a rough part of town. Uh, it kind of felt like Memphis in a sense. Like Memphis is very like. It's crazy. You can have like million dollar homes on one street and then, you know, take a right. And then there's like section eight housing. So where I took photos of you and, and better off and, and, the, and the other guys was at that house we called the estate. Yeah. And it was right there by Jenny's in East Nashville. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, the other day I looked it up because we were renting. <laughs> it was like seven guys living in that house. And it was big enough to fill us all, you know, and we had Ember Days and we had, you know, all these people kind of living there, kind of. Yeah. And uh, Jordan McGee and, you know, all these guys. But I looked it up because it was a beautiful home, tall ceilings, wood floors, yeah, traditional dude. right next to the, it was right next to the, the railroad. So it was a little loud. But other than that, there was a beautiful school behind us. But now East Nashville's Jenny's area, that's like the spot, if that's I'm not mistaken. The spot. Yeah. Eastland is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this guy came. Uh, as we were, you know, in, engaged in the lease, I guess he just told the guys, like, I want to buy your house, like, right now. And mm-hmm. he kicked us out all right before Christmas. <laughs> so we got kicked out. I had to find another place to live, and I did, thankfully. But uh, I looked up, like, a few days ago, how much that house is worth, and it's like $2 million. The estimate is crazy. Mil. Yeah, dude, you can't afford Nashville anymore. It's crazy. Dude, it's crazy. And then even all my friends who used to live in East or... You know, it's not crazy, you know, as as opposed to some other places. But they're all moving out a little bit further, right? Yeah, like, yeah you um, have to. You have to. What's further east? Donaldson. That's Donaldson, the, yeah. That's the new spot. That's I actually have a friend named Max. Uh, he's from Mississippi as well. I grew up with him. And uh, we were in East together, and then he, he got married, and they bought a house in Donaldson because it was like the last affordable spot that you could on, on that side of the river. But now that part of town is is blowing up and he he has a bagel shop uh it's called the bagel shop and (laughs) and he's opening it up in donaldson uh they're in like the final stages of it right now and uh yeah it's 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 crazy because like whenever lyft and uber first came to town i remember taking a a lyft I, i worked for them for a little bit and uh i took somebody i can't remember who it was but out to donaldson and there was it was just like nothing it just felt like uh an unbuilt up suburb. And, what, and, what would I recognize in Donaldson? Uh, dude, nothing? I really don't know. There was nothing. I really don't know. There was one building that I this remember. This is further than uh, the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Past the mall. Okay. Like, yeah. And then Madison, that's where some people moved. Yep. Yeah. 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 So if like, what is it? Um, Ellington Parkway yeah, goes yeah. north and that bleeds into Madison. And if you get on Briley and go back around uh the river and then get off and keep going east like you're going towards hermitage that's donaldson man it's a different life ago but yeah. i remember driving these highways so much yeah i, I miss it i miss it I, I miss it a little bit like you guys are more recent yeah we're, we're only leaving. uh maybe six hours from there so we'll go up there for like a long weekend or whatever but it just it doesn't feel the same it's so interesting it doesn't feel the same i went last year and uh it is different yeah, we stayed in an Airbnb right there off of Gallatin, I guess, Eastland and Gallatin. What, what, what's the street that turns into Gallatin? Is it, uh, no, it's First, Main Street. 
Yeah, yeah, Maine. Um, so it was right off Maine. And then there's like that pizza, that nice like barista parlor type mm-hmm. pizza shop across the street. And we enjoyed it. It was different. It was new. There was a lot of new businesses. But it still kind of had that same energy. Yeah. You know, it was kind of, uh, well, what's that word? When you're here, the, the people here are very like down to earth. There's not a lot of like pretentiousness yeah, or like, sure. you know, snob nose, <laughs> yeah. but you get that there, you know, you get, there's a lot of like clicky, you know, it's, oh, it, yeah, the, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a bummer. It, it always bummer. has been that way. And what's funny about it is, you know, my wife and I kind of didn't get into it, but we would talk about this because she's very like down to earth person. She doesn't like fakeness. She's not, she's so naturally uh, real. And she can sense when there's like a lot of fakeness Mm -hmm. and she hated it there. She couldn't live there. And I loved it there. (laughs) What does that tell you about me? (laughs) No, I no, but you know, I kind of, there was something about it that it was just, it treated me well. I think that's what it was. And, and I didn't want to leave that. Do you think that you liked it just because it was like a new adventure in your early twenties? It was, it was such a conflict when she moved out there because I thought, oh yeah, this is great. I'll, you know, have my girlfriend, my fiance, uh, and who, you know, and we'll live my life the way I lived it. And when she moved out there, I, I realized that I had my life had to change. Mm. My lifestyle had to change. Like yeah. I couldn't go do the things I was doing, you know, I had to live more restrictive. And that was really hard for me. Cause I was like, I'm here to pursue this. And now I kind of there's restrictions on that to a degree. Like yeah. I, I, I can't necessarily go network and do all these things because now I have, you know, a fiance, somebody to be mindful of, spend time with all these different things and I couldn't deal with it for a while. Mm-hmm. And it drove a, a, a wedge in our relationship. In fact, I tried, I tried to call off our, our, our engagement a couple of times. No. I did. Dude, she's uh, great. She's awesome. I actually met her before I met you. Is that right? Yeah, because of Levi. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and we just talked to him before we got here. Yeah. yeah, I did. I can't remember what tour it was, but before Better Off, I played in another band called My Children, My Bride. Okay. And uh, we were on Solid State Records, and they were out of Alabama. But it was like a you know a faith-based heavy metal band. And uh, we were on tour with uh, For Today. And I th- he I th- toured with them. I yeah. think that was the one that, that So he would do spoken Levi. word, yep. I think, between sets type of thing. Yep. And uh, she came out, I guess, to the Albuquerque show. For those that are curious, my uh, my brother in law is Levi the poet, and he—that's who we're talking about. So he just spoken word, and he was—that's the tour you met him on. Yep, he's there now in Nashville. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in East Nashville. <laughs> we were just talking. He was at uh, Dose today. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that was the last place I lived. It was like right around Dose with Jordan McGee. And yeah. Do you know Will Steinbrecher? Have you met Will? I don't know that I have. Okay. Uh, but me and Jordan room together, so you can imagine That's what awesome. chaos oh, that was. Oh, man, a blast. But uh, yeah, So, <laughs> but it was walking distance to Dose of Mitchell, so they that was where my savings account went. Yep. That's where everybody went. For a while there, it was Barista Parlor. That's mm-hmm. when I was there, 2013, 14, it was Barista Parlor. It was at the hub of all the, you know, yeah. maybe not the musicians so much, but it was a lot of like the Instagram, like, you know, creative photographer, the Ruthies, the, yeah. you know, all those people. We would meet at the barista parlor. And then when I left, it became Dose. Mm-hmm. Dose was the new spot. What happened there? Dude, I don't know <clears throat> because there was a Dose on, uh, I can't remember what, it, it goes into, what's the tiny little neighborhood uh, off of Charlotte, Sylvan Park. 
there Murphy Road. There was a dose on Murphy Road. It's like if you if you're on West End and you go past the Parthenon, and uh, you keep going at your like your next big red light is Murphy Road, and there was a dose there since like I moved there in like 2011. There was a dose, but nobody ever talked about that one. But mm. as soon as they opened up an East location, that was the spot. Yeah, there's all this know. coffee culture, and uh, it was awesome. Crema was a, a big one. Yeah, yeah, I went to Crema quite And then a all, there was like a, bu- a bunch of coffee drama, and then a lot of people left. All these original uh, baristas went and started other things like Steadfast, and then they went to all these other places. There was a drama, apparently. <laughs> I don't know if you, uh, <laughs> no, the coffee world, no, I guess I they just, were like. I just went to sip. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted to ask you, though, as Cities Burn, how did you get integrated into that? So I've known the guys for forever. So I grew up in Jackson, and they were in Mandeville, Louisiana, which is about an hour and a half south of us. And there was, like, no scene in Mandeville. So they used to come play Jackson all the time. So I've I've known the dudes since I was, like, 12 years old. And so that would have been 02 and when they started the band. And uh, it's crazy. That was before you played guitar? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, that that's kind of like what threw me into. Okay, so my story in finding that whole world was uh, I grew up in church, and after sixth grade, in, when you get to seventh grade, you're able to go to, it's called, uh, I can't even remember what it's called. I think it was called JAM. I can't remember. It was an acronym, but I can't remember what it stood for. And uh, so like the seventh through twelfth graders met on Friday nights after uh uh, like the football game and it it was kind of their way of like keeping them out of the cornfields and and you know drinking huh. drinking yeah. you know and stuff like that keeping in high busy school with yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so we would have like uh dances and and they would play games and stuff like that but the seventh through ninth graders had to stay downstairs and then 10th through 12th they had like this cool little secret room upstairs that they would go and uh so i was in seventh grade and i just it was like my second or third time there and I heard like music happening upstairs. And so I like kind of looked around and then snuck upstairs to see what was going on. And I walked in and there was this, you know, group of guys on stage and they were just playing this, you know, cr- crazy music. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this band, but there was a, a band that later got signed on Tooth and Nail Records called Jonesetta. Yeah, that was like a pop. Yeah. More like a dancey. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of like band. Family Force 5. Yeah. But uh, it was them, and they're from my hometown. Okay, and they were actually the the praise band at the church at, oh, at the time, and so it was like I knew them as that. And then they had this band on the side, and and they were like, "Hey, we're doing a uh, we're doing a show this Saturday. You guys should come out." And so I was like, "Mom, mom, you know, take me to the show." And so I went to the show by yourself. It, yeah, because I didn't. I, I was the youngest one. But you'd go by yourself. You yeah. That seems uh, for me. I would I would have to have like a friend go with me. I would feel so like. Oh, no, no, dude. I was, that's awesome. I, yeah, Especially I, as a 12-year-old kid. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I went, and it was Jones Etta played, and then there was another band uh, called Color Revolt, and they're from Jackson. Oh, Color Revolt, dude. It, the best band of all time. Still. Like, hands down. I, I, I Yes. I don't Your, understand why. His cousin the, and I played in a band, and we tried to imitate that band. I mean, what band hasn't? Like, yeah. Manchester Orchestra's, you know... <laughs> But anyway, yeah. But they, yeah. So they played. There was a band, or Color Revolt used to be called Fletcher. So Fletcher played, and then uh, there was a touring band from Florida, Two Thirty Eight. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Chris Stapleton, uh, no. not Chris Stapleton. Chris 
Discover America, I'm blanking on his name, but anyway, they uh, they played, and it was at that show, the touring guys, I was like, these dudes are like maybe five years older than me, and they're like in a van and doing it. And I was you like- You said five years? They were like five years older, yeah, older five or six years older, at least that's and so your dream just sparked. You're yeah. Like, oh, I wanted to do that. Up until that point, I was all about like sports, baseball. I pitched, I was uh, played shortstop. I was all about it. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, whatever this is, I, I want to do it. I remember that moment for me too. And I saw uh, a band come to town. I was, I saw them alone up the trailer. I was like, they're, they're going to a different place yeah. and they're going to play that next place next, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the dream. That's yeah. all I want to do. I don't care if I make any money. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I think for me, it was, it was like seeing how close in age they were. And I was like, yeah. and they're doing it. Okay. Then I, I, can, then I can. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then, so I started following them on MySpace and pure volume back in the day and like, uh, you know, got connected. And the next big show that came to town was uh it was Norma Jean and Me Without You and Beloved opened and that was like the first like heavy show and, and then I was like oh okay this is it I thought it was this other thing but whatever this chaos is I'm in a hundred and ten percent so and then yeah the ACB guys would come up it was just like Mississippi it was the southeast like all all those early you know tooth and nail guys under oath as cities burn Norma Jean. He is legend. All the it was just the southeast that just like had a monopoly over that lightning. Were most in a of those bottle. bands southern? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Because we were so heavily affected by that culture here. Yeah. The chariot. All I mean, all these. Yeah. They're from Kansas City, though, right? Chariot, I believe. No. 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 They're from Atlanta. Douglas, oh, that's right. Yeah, they played that uh, venue all the time. Um, the Seven venue in yeah. Douglasville. Yeah. So the connection happened. Uh, there was a guy, uh, Chad. I guess I made that thought because, uh, bass player, uh, was the Kansas city. Wasn't he the mascot? Wolf? I believe he was the mascot for the chiefs. I could be wrong. <laughs> that would be nuts. I'm not sure. I think I remember him being the mascot for that, a while. That would be nuts. Yeah. Um, but Jonathan, uh, yeah. So the connection that happened was there was a guy, uh, he puts on furnace fest, Chad Johnson. Yeah. He's from Birmingham. He baptized me. No way. With a so bottle you know, of water. Chad. Okay. Yeah. He's the best. He's so great. So he, he lived above, uh, no, he didn't live, but his headquarters or whatever but was above Barista Parlor, right? Interesting. No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I believe so, because he was tooth and nail, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the, he had a spot up there. Yeah. So he had a record label uh, out of Birmingham called Takehold Records. And he like, so he was the guy that found all these Southeast bands and signed them to Takehold Records. And then if I remember correctly, he sold his catalog to Tooth and Nail. So that's where oh, okay. the connection came from, like, all these Southeast bands that Chad already had a hold of or had an eye on. And then, you know, that the Tooth and Nail, they, it, Dude, they changed just my life. It. He changed a lot of our a lives. A lot yeah. of lives, man. A yeah. lot of the people that, uh, when I first moved out to Nashville, were all kind of integrated to a degree because of his network. Yeah. The bands, even the church. Yeah. Josh Stump and a lot of his people went to that church, um, the anchor. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. That was actually the reason why I moved to Nashville. And I was going to ask you that. What was your reason to move to Nashville? I went because I wanted to do music. I wanted to pursue oh, okay. music. But I was playing with a local band, um, Poema. You, you remember Shailene and yeah. Hell Pocket? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I moved out there with them. And, uh, and I, I, I lived with another band I'd, I'd played with years prior, uh, the Jocks. And so I lived with them for a short period of time, but yeah, I was just trying to do my thing, and I, I played in that cardboard kids band, mm-hmm. that rock and roll band. It was a fun time. 
we did, uh, I did a bunch of different things, but I was trying to pursue music, uh, Yeah, which great. was the conflict when I got married. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm going backwards or something, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. turned out to be good. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the rest is history, but that's cool. Yeah. It's interesting. Mine was, uh, at the time I was trying to get away from music, but still be affiliated with it or be surrounded by it. But at yeah, that, that makes no sense. Right. <laughs> it, it, in my, in, okay. So at that time, I uh, I left my children, my bride, and we were touring maybe like 10 months out of the year consecutively. And so I was just burnt out oh, okay. from all of that. This and, is before 2011? Yeah. Okay. And um, oh, So you're a vet. As they say. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so uh, I was familiar with the anchor. And then like my secondary, dr- not dream, but like backup plan is I, I've always been uh, I I consider myself a kid, like just a big kid still today. And uh, I worked at the daycare at my church all through high school and absolutely loved it. So I always felt like I would maybe find my way back to becoming like a, like a youth pastor or youth minister at some point in my life. And they had like a seminary program at the anchor. And I'd already met some of the guys like in the glorious unseen that were affiliated. And, uh, and we had talked about, you know, that, that seminary program. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to get out of music, uh, touring at least, and then move to, you know, Nashville where I could still be surrounded by it. If I wanted to scratch the itch, I could, but you know, I want to try to go to the seminary school, which I never did. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It was like six months and then I was right back on the road. Do you ever still think of that? Uh, not really. Not, yeah. not so that this, kind of ship sailed. Yeah, of. it was just ever, ever since that was like, I moved there in I think September or November of 2011, and then by I can't remember. It was I can't remember whenever I joined Better Off, but it was the next year. Okay, we were already doing stuff on that first record, and so they uh, and then the anchor kind of went through a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what happens to a lot of churches, but I think he, he was going to leave and then came back and there's this weird thing. Yeah. But that's where we were for a while, me and my wife until we left pretty much. No, we went to journey for a period of time. And then we, we, we went through a lot of figuring things out when we were there. And I know now we've really figured out a sweet spot. It's been, it's been a journey, man. You know, it's weird. You know, some people say, you know, do you believe in like uh, soulmates and stuff like that? And I used to say like, no, she's going to, she's going to think I'm such a goof on this, but, <laughs> and I used to kind of think, no, I, and I honestly kind of don't believe in like, just like pure soulmates. Like, I think you can make it work. I think if you just, you know, humble yourselves, sure. um, most of the time, if you have a, you know, a general attraction to one another, um, you can make it work and, uh, you can become more and more attracted to one another. Sure. But I will say, I do think that the devil did not want me to marry that girl. Mm. And, uh, and I praise God. Like, I'm so thankful that I did because I really think even the way that I would have taken my life would have been destructive. Mm. I really do believe that I would have pursued me and my pleasures and ego. And I would have ended up an unhappy man ultimately. And I'm grateful because it was really hard to kind of like choke back and like, let's go back home. And I actually had a reckoning with my, uh, in Nashville I, I've told the story on the show, but I'll, I'll share it with you. Um, I was listening to the Pilgrim's Progress. It's my favorite book aside from the Bible. 
And uh, there's a part in the book that, the part of the book is he, he, uh, Pilgrim goes up to this guy and he's in the dark and he's in this cage and he's like, why are you in here? And, uh, and he's like, well, I gave myself over to my desires and my pleasures and I've quenched the spirit and here I am. You know, and, and I remember I've been in this place and I've gotten to that point of the book a couple of times and I've just been like struck with like fear that, you know, by me um, living in my selfishness. And at the time I was, my wife would, you know, Spree was like, yeah, let's move back. Let's move back. And I was always just like, Mm-mm. no, I spent three years, you know, working on this and I'm, I'm making progress. I'm not going to just throw it all away. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the mentality. It's like I'm pursuing my dreams. It's very selfish, really. And um, one day I read that book and I was like, oh, shoot. And I just, something happened inside of me. I was like, I'm, I'm living selfishly. But I was, it's something that it rekindled a previous fire that uh, I had for the Lord, for, for obedience. Like, I, I, I know you don't know me very well, but I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a radical Christian. Like, I love the Lord. <laughs> And, uh, and that doesn't mean like I'm Mr. Monk or crazy holy guy or anything like that. But I, 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 I had a crazy moment earlier in life that I, it was radical. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to be a martyr. Like that's my dream in life. Um, and so I kind of was just reminded through that with a book and then this like real like resurgence of that identity. And then that's why we moved back. Cool. I was like, I'm going to go serve. That's yeah. great, man. Yeah. That's awesome. So that makes, that's what brings me here. And then I was doing jewelry at the time. So I kind of had an out, you know, I still do music. I do the church stuff Yeah, every now and again. Yeah. I did that. Like ACB, even though that like we had our last show, it, it was kind of coming to that. Like we would take less and less tours and I kind of saw the writing on the wall. So I, I got involved with, with playing at, at our church back home whenever we, we first moved back. But yeah, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. What are these rings you, uh, and jewelry you got on? You got some good so stuff. This is a Chad Varela original. The chief for the chief. Then it it stays on the finger. So what's the significance for that name for you? Uh, that's what we all called my dad. Okay, and so it's just kind of like passing it down to me and me coming into manhood and like I'll, you know cool. I'll have kids one day and grandkids one day, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then this other one here, I'm, I'm noticing that stone's beautiful. Yeah, dude. Take, take a yeah. look at all of them. They're, they're all just... Uh, is that the so, only one I made there? The cheap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the only one. Um, they're either eBay finds or, you know, flea market finds. Uh, a couple of them, uh, we have friends. I think they're originally from Nebraska, but Cody and Lauren, and they have this, uh, they're like stores called The West Place. Okay, and, I follow them. Yeah. They're, they're great, great folks, but they, they, I don't know who's picking for them awesome. or if they just know where the honey holes are. Brother. <laughs> I saw a reel like a couple of days ago and I was like, they have a lot of gear. They got a lot. They have a house or something that they, sh- they, they, I just saw they, this they reel. Do, yeah. So they got a house, they're at Round Top, Texas. Uh, okay. You know, and so they, last year they, um, they had like a circus tent type thing. But, yes. But, I think I saw this. But they opted for an actual like walk-in oh, okay. situation this year. So. Yeah, it looks cool. And actually, on our way back, my wife's never been to Austin. So whenever we were or leaving California, we're going to go through southern Texas to Austin, and then we'll pass through Round Top on the way back to oh, Mississippi. Cool. So we'll stop and see the guys and 
But yeah, I'll send you pics. I'll send you yeah. their inventory. Yeah, check check. I want to check it out. And I they have this big uh, pin um, collection on like a yeah the jacket know, jacket the yeah it's crazy whatever it is you know exactly it's crazy yeah yeah um yeah very cool man yeah um you were talking about doing tin type mm-hmm. are you kind of searching for something new to kind of occupy your time I th- I think about it uh I'm trying to figure out like what what what's a different kind of hobby that I can get into because I don't know music. One thing that I kind of got into is all throughout my musical career, I've never had like a home studio because I've always had friends in Nashville that, that, you know, had stuff Mm -hmm. that I could just go over and use whenever I wanted. And so I've never necessarily had to have one. And so that was kind of one thing that I did for myself last year was build a home studio for myself. And so I'm still kind of like learning how to navigate that, like. I grew up doing garage band and so like logic yeah. is the same it, thing. Same thing. It's so, you know, figuring that out. But as far as outside of music, yeah, um, um I, I thought about photography. I thought about ten types specifically because of uh this ten type. I took my dad to uh to go get I'll actually show you because yeah. they're incredible. Um but there was a guy, I think his name is Jonathan, and he travels around in his van and uh he he'll like post whatever city he's going to be in and how long he's going to be there. And so you can get appointments with him and he was going to be in Nashville. So, um, me and my dad grew up, uh, dancing at powwows and stuff like that. And, uh, so I told him, I was like, uh, he was turning 60. And so I told him like, bring your regalia. I I got a surprise for you. And so, um, he thought that we were going to, you know, go to a powwow somewhere. And, uh, so we went, and uh, we got these wonderful pictures made for his 60th birthday. We got one mm. of me and him, and then one of just him, and then I snuck one of me and my wife in there. Um, but yeah, this is the one of me and him. That's awesome. In full garb. Whoa, dude. It's fun, huh? That's <laughs> loco. You got to send that to me. I'll put it up on the screen. Okay. That's awesome. And then let's see the one of just him. Just looks gnarly. Oh, dude, the blacks. Yeah. And the texture. Pretty wild. Dude, you guys are going to love this. It's awesome. And then the blur. Mm. You can create a lot of this stuff artificially in like VSEO, Visco. But uh, that's, that's, those are real deal pictures right there. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. What is the um, heritage? Uh, Eastern Band Cherokee. And then I, I recently found out that I have uh, Choctaw on my mom's side. I did not know that until very recently. But, um, we, we don't like have any papers. Uh, so whenever the Cherokee split, there were some that stayed in North Carolina, Northern Georgia that did not go to Oklahoma. They just refused to. So a lot of them, I wouldn't say a lot of them, but some of them like stayed, cut their hair, tried to assimilate. Yep. And, uh, I guess that was one of mine. And so the people who didn't go to Oklahoma, uh, all their papers, well, if they were found out, they'd be shipped. So all the, like the travel stuff was burned, blah, blah, blah. So that's where my lineage comes from. Um, and, uh, they changed their last name to Lee, uh, ironically enough after Robert E. Lee. Um, (laughs) but it was only because they, uh, the Southern, you know, the Confederacy wasn't, would allow them to stay and have their homeland, uh, you know, as a sovereign nation. They weren't trying to, uh, but the, the, yeah, yeah, the U.S. did. And so they were like, we're not about the U.S. And so they, yeah, a lot of like the wow. civilized tribes, the Southern 
southeastern trout yeah. specifically they they favor you know that but okay it's interesting they don't they very interesting but um yeah so uh the That's last awesome. name was lee and it goes back i think uh, we have six generations and then it just cuts off because that's where all tribal papers were burned. So what year would, it have, would that have been? Do you have any uh, idea? It would have been, I think, in like the 1880s. Okay. I think it was 20 years after the Civil, Civil War, War ended. Era, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that ended 65, but yeah, interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah, so we, I just don't necessarily know much about it. Um Lineage wise, I know about the culture and stuff like that, just from I find oral it so interesting. So how, yeah, so how much of that was? I imagine maybe not so much was practically like imp, like through your family culture handed down, or like like I didn't. My my dad, uh, his dad was primarily Spanish speaking. Uh, my dad's kind of the middle, and then I'm kind of like no, none at all. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I just don't. We don't. I don't. I know words, but I don't really speak Spanish. Same right. with my mom. Same exact thing. And so the culture is kind of. Uh, diluted, right? And uh, so I guess how much how much of that do you think in your family? Dude, in your well, case, I'm the same. I'm diluted. the same. So I, we're Americans. I know, I know phrases and words. <laughs> we we know wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can go to the res and say hey, and yeah. and, and they get it. But uh, I mean, even on the res, language is a just a dying thing. It, it, there's only a handful of like fluent speaking people on, on. I would dare to say a lot of reservations, mm-hmm. not just Eastern Band Cherokee. Interesting. But, yeah. What's the population? Just curious, uh, like demographics wise, Native American in Mississippi. Uh, the only res that we have is, uh, it's, I think it's like one point three percent. It's so it's very small. Very small. It's a Choctaw Nation. Okay, in, it's quite a bit bigger here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Oh yeah. It's um, it's funny because I'm 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 of his, his mostly Hispanic heritage. I've got some Native as well, maybe a quarter, something like that. Never done a thing, but um, no papers either. Yeah. Um, of course. But I think it's interesting because I looked up the demographics of New Mexico in general. And I think it was like, you should look it up, Chorus. I'm curious. Um, it was like 60% Caucasian or white or whatever. And then there was no like Hispanic. I'm not exactly sure how these work. No Hispanic? Well, Hispanic, well, because I think Hispanic is folded into white or caucasian i have heard this and so and so I, I guess i would be considered white or caucasian based on statistics or the demographics white non-hispanic that's what i've seen yeah, people check exactly. and like you, they're 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 uh, combined interesting it is interesting and i guess it makes sense if you trace it back all the way to like what the 1400s yeah yeah uh because you know all the spaniards right who you know really conquered right and now that's why Mexico, and that's why we speak, you know, we used to speak Spanish predominantly right. here. Uh, it's because the European, the, the Spanish came through Columbus and all that stuff. Yep. And so I guess you could say if Caucasian means European, then yeah, or uh, Spanish is European, then yeah. Yeah. So it's just interesting <clears throat> how all that stuff works. But, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I don't have any of that culture for the most part. I guess I, guess I can't say that. You know, my parents are mostly American, kind of like hippie, like that was kind of their world, Christian hippie. Uh, I'm that, you know, <laughs> with a little bit of like, you know, Hispanic heritage, you know, sprinkled on top. Yeah. That's pretty much what I am. Yeah, it's interesting. That's cool. That's what I got. Yeah. 
I know, uh, do you feel like out here, because I don't know how it is out here, but like, I've always wanted to go to the gathering, the nation. Yes. That's like one of the biggest powwows. And, uh, but I've only done the powwow trail in the Southeast. And, but like the sentiment in the Southeast, at least is like very much, uh, against this whole, like changing of the word Indian to native American. Do you find that more prominent out here? Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I do find that some people find offense to the word Indian, but it, it is more historical, especially in regards to jewelry. Yeah, yeah, Indian yeah. jewelry. Right. Like, there's this lore, there's this... Words are interesting. Yeah. Like, I feel like more white people tend to be more yeah, uh, sensitive about it. words like that. Whereas I think Native Americans or Indians, whatever, you know, would... would I think they take pride in the uh, the lore and all of because honestly, it's a positive thing. Like a lot of positive things are attributed to Indian jewelry, yeah. uh, Indian uh, Southwest, whatever it is, you know, Indian yeah. blankets, all these different things. They're positives. Yeah. And so when you hear the word Indian, in my you know perspective, I see those as positives. But I think that there's this weird political correctness thing that's happened of with course. it. That's yeah, like that, oh, that's where Native I American. land. That's where I land. It's it's Indian all day for me. And the funny thing right, is, like, if you break down Native American, American is North America and South America, but you have a picture in your head of, like, a Sioux chief with, you know, like an eagle feather. But wouldn't, like, Aztecs and Mayans technically be yeah. under that umbrella of Native yeah. American? And you just, like, completely disregard that it aspect is, Yeah, I guess it, it is. It's almost a robbery of the culture in a sense. Exactly. I guess you could say Indian, then you said East Indian or, you know, West Indian, whatever, because, you, you know— what is that? That's that old. Uh, some people take offense to. It's the daughter of the feather, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> incredible. I love it. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know, man. I I think I think it, it's sad. Like I'm I'm in this world right now where I I, I take um I look at it so much. Uh, I, I try to pay a lot of attention to culture. I I kind of think a lot of what I want to do. What I'm with this business that I do jewelry or um with the trading post and also with podcasting is kind of this idea of like preserving traditional culture, values, goods. And it's kind of like curating and preserving the things that I find good and valuable. Yeah. And uh, I think that modern day with things getting kind of crazy, you, you, you can, it, it, it sanitizes all of the color in the world and uh, the color revolt. No, uh, <laughs> you, I was thinking about it, but chorus, you should pull up a live color revolt song. This one's for your cousin. Um, but yeah, I kind of think that there's a, this with, with, with political correctness or with all these different uh, efforts of making everyone the same, it takes all of the color. Everything's gray. Yeah, Everything's yeah. boring. Yep. There's no wrestling, extreme like personality. You don't get that anymore. That's not allowed. Like, even football's gotten so much more like restraint. And, and some would say it's good because... Uh blood in your mouth the real ones know Dude, how they did not take over the world I will never it, know like never took only with the bands yeah they are a band's band for sure what happened to them you know uh I, I do not know I know that like so Lynn is the drummer 
And he plays for Brent Cobb now. I don't know if you know. He's like a country guy from Dave Cobb. Have you heard of him? He's like a he's a producer in Nashville. He's done huge people like Chris Stapleton and, and blah, blah, all it's these. A brother? Uh, cousin. But uh, yeah, Brent is his cousin and lives in Georgia. But Lynn plays for him now. Um, Drew Mellon was a bass player and he plays in another band uh, with um, half the guys from Jonesetta. And they're all Clinton guys, so they oh, okay. they stay. They know, love pretty, Hillary Clinton. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then uh, Jimmy Cajolis, he's an author. I'm not sure what his books are. I'd love to plug them, but huh. I'm, I'm I'm not sure what they are. Okay. But he lives in Brooklyn now. Okay. And uh, and then Jess, the singer, I, he got a job. I think at a, I can't remember if it's. I think it's in Ohio at a college. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what he's teaching, but yeah. th- that's where he, but he comes back. He has like a side project that sounds just like it, but it's just okay. him and an acoustic guitar called El Obo. El Obo. El Obo. Can we find that? Yeah, dude, find that. It's good El, stuff. the word? E-L-O-B-O. E-L. Yeah, but that's good. I'm trying to think El of, Obo. Yeah, yeah. How funny. I've never heard of this. Um, yeah, but he comes down uh, for Christmas to f- visit family, so he'll play a show, you know, oh, cool. every every Christmas break, and it's just packed to the gills. Everybody, you know, because yeah. he's just, dude, he's just perfect. I don't know. His talent is just unreal to me. Well, he'll he'll make um, really delicate, beautiful melodies. It sounds super dark and they're uh, haunting, heavy. man. They're haunting. I don't know what it is. Yeah. We used to copy so and cover good. some of his songs for like rehearsal. Chorus has, um, or used to, I don't know, his family's, his family, his connections. I don't know. We always run into his family or people he knows all over the place, but I think it's his uncle owns that studio. Yeah, it was called U Public Studios. Yeah. Or, or actually, U Public was the video side. Uh, Sanctuary Sound was the recording studio. So we would go rehearse there and play all these songs. Not these here, but. A lot of his songs. His voice is just different. Something special. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Some good stuff's come out of come out of Mississippi. They've done good for themselves. Dang. What are you working on now? Music wise. I uh, mean, because you actually no, let me ask this. You were um you and uh Cody. Mm-hmm. Are you doing another project? We you, are. It's you, called yeah. My Only Passenger. Okay. And uh, we have nothing recorded right now, but we have some ideas like demos and stuff. Yep. And it's just my touring schedule just got so busy for the end of end of the year. Like after we decided, okay, let's let's start this. And so we like announced it after Furnace Fest, yeah. and then it's just like crickets. <laughs> you know? Bummer. But, yeah, it's just my schedule right now up until March is going to be pretty bananas. Let me ask you something. How is, because this was, this was uh, in Nashville, a lot of, you know, if you're going to take music seriously, you're going to, you got to tour, you got to, in that vein, you're like doing a band or an artist, solo artist, whatever it is. How is that dynamic with you and your wife? Dude, my wife, I'm going to cry talking about her, but she is just like the most supportive person with anything that I want to do. Like we had that conversation whenever we were trying to figure out like, are we going to take this to the next step? Because like I travel for a living and she's, she's just good with it and she's supportive and understands like uh, one of the biggest uh, 
things that that has always resonated with me is like I remember one time. So my schedule is it's in the CCM world. It's the same as the country world where we bus out of Nashville Wednesday night and we'll have a show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we yep. come back. So I'm home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which is great. Mm-hmm. I'm not gone a month and a half anymore like I used to be. And so it's great. I'm home every week. Mm-hmm. But I remember one time that I came home and I walked in the door and she came up to me and thanked me. And she was like, I just want to thank you for your sacrifice, for you, you know, leaving to go provide for us. And and it just like tore me up, dude. Wow. It, it was just. That it, is, that is, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That you guys she, can. She has been like the safest place for me to be vulnerable and me to just, you know, I don't know. It's she's yeah. just the best. She's That's the awesome. best. And you guys are doing this. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're taking our honeymoon two years too late and uh going to California and back. And where to exactly again? Nowhere particular. You going all the way to the ocean, you have to. Yeah. Gonna go. You gotta see Big Sur. You gotta do the one on one drive, dude. We can do it. It's a it's the drive. Uh, it's beautiful. that's the honeymoon drive. That's it's, what I did on my honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. I did it's it. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It was the white knuckle drive. We were we uh we got married here, we, you know, and um, we drove to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. She hit, my wife had an aunt out there. So we stayed in, in there uh, at her house for, I think, one or two nights, two nights. And then, um, and then we drove south and we drove the one-on-one down. It's the best. If you know, have you done it? Oh yeah. You've done it many times. Yeah. Twice. I've done it twice. Okay. But it's, yeah. It's- but to do it with your wife and to be able to like stop and kind of really appreciate the scenery. Yeah. You know. Uh, we got uh, caught um, going west. It, sunset. I didn't realize this, but uh, you have you. They close the highway uh, on the cliff's edge at like ten o'clock. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And so uh, we're getting caught going what um, south uh, on Big Sur on the one hundred and one, uh, and we were going to get a, ho- a hotel. And we're pretty broke. Like we just. I was just telling her that uh, today. Actually, I was like. For whatever reason, I, I thought of this. I was like, we went we went to an IHOP in San Francisco on our honeymoon uh, in our in, in my Toyota or her Toyota Yaris. It's a small car, you know. <laughs> yeah. And just married on the back, and uh, should have been a Waffle House, dude. It was. It, was, <laughs> it might as well have been, dude. Do they have Waffle Houses out there? <laughs> they have one here. That's all I know. Really? Yeah. And they I'm do. a really yeah. big fan of Waffle House. Good so. for you, Albuquerque. Yeah. They did close one down, didn't they? Yeah, we have one left. So we, yeah. yeah, Albuquerque only had enough market to keep one Waffle yeah. House. Yeah, all the homeless people took over the uh, one of over on um, Central and uh, Tramway. That one, I think that one closed, right? Yep. Yeah. Did you know that there's like apparently there's like a FEMA disaster coding based around if a Waffle House is still open or not? It's true. Look, look that up, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what like the vernacular of it is, but basically like they can tell like how bad a disaster has happened in a place based on if the Waffle House is still open or not. Really? <laughs> yeah, because they're open 24-7, even on Christmas. Dang. 365. Yeah, we used to love that place. It's called the Waffle the House Index. There it is. Yep, it's a Dang. metric named after the <laughs> Southern U.S. restaurant chain to see if they're open because they're open 24-7. There it is. That's crazy. So yeah, anyways, we're going down and we stop at a, a hotel or whatever and we were broke. It was like 200 something bucks a night, which is pretty standard nowadays, especially. And uh, and so we were like, shoot, 
let's just risk it. Let's go try to find somewhere cheaper after not, not here. Cause this is kind of a destination spot. And so we just like, he's like, if you're going to go, you got to go now. Cause they're going to close it in 10 minutes and it's foggy. Cause that's why, cause it gets foggy mm-hmm. and you're on the cliff's edge. Right. So it's a dangerous drive. Yeah. And we're in this little Toyota Yaris and I just married. So like, there's a new, like a renewed like mentality with me where I'm like, oh no, I'm responsible for someone else now. Few days old in this mentality. And I took it very seriously. I remember like literal white knuckle driving and for an, a couple of hours. And by the time I got down to the very bottom, it took a while. And this sucks because there's like vets you know, driving behind me. And it's like, I've done it all the time. It's like every night they have to drive home. And he's like, go, go, go. And so you have to like kind of pull off on the little pull-offs. Anyways, so super stressful drive at that time, uh, especially when you're racing down the highway. And then I remember my hands were just, I unlocked them and it was pain. Just locked <laughs> up, dude. So we, we turned up to like Carmel or there was like, not Carmel, it's like one of those little towns, dark, no lights, beautiful. California, dude, apart from the property taxes yeah. and some of the culture, is ju- it is paradise. Yeah. I see why everybody moved to LA in the way back when. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you don't know where you're going? No, no, no. No, uh, no real goal, no real plan. We we know that we want to go to like after this we're gonna to go to Santa Fe. There's a there's a, a men's shop there called Standard and Strange yep. that I really want to go. I saw check you posting out. some stuff from them. Yeah, I thought you shared something maybe in your story or something. Yeah, want to go there. There's a place we found today called Santa Fe Vintage. Vintage. Yeah, you gotta go. Oh, dude. so we made an appointment. So there's t- there's the outpost. Okay. Oh, you made an appointment. So you going to the warehouse? I guess I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, you got to go to the warehouse. Okay, I guess so, that's where we're going. Oh, you have no idea. Savings if it's account the same, depleted. Oh, good luck, yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I went, um, what was it, a couple of years ago. It's when Scott, he was Scott Corey, I believe is his name. Um, he, he He's since passed, but he was kind of the main dude there. And so he, by appointment only, we went in. I had no idea. Like, I just wanted to go check out some vintage stuff. And uh, it was by appointment only you go. And so we see, and he opens, takes us back to this, a whole rack, a whole like, you know, shelf of like vintage Levi's, 501s, whatever it is. And then you keep going, they have a whole like rack of military. They've got a whole rack of like old moleskin jackets, all kinds of like blankets and children's vintage clothes. Mm. Dude, it's nuts. Dangerous. and, 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 And they're not, it's not cheap. Yeah, of course. They know what they have, dude. Yeah. They know it. But it's got to be one of the biggest collections of like vintage clothes it's in this area for sure. Wow. Without a question. Fun. I don't know that you'll find another place that's, yeah. <laughs> that might be it. We might not make it to California. <laughs> yeah, you guys might not. Be careful. Go in there knowing what you're getting into and maybe, yeah. But no, yeah. I, I, I picked up a, a jacket off the wall and I felt obligated because uh, it was four of us and I was like, shoot, we're not going to buy anything. We scheduled an appointment. We're not going to buy anything. So I saw this jacket. I was like, this is a pretty cool jacket. And I looked at the price tag. It was like 400 bucks. 400 bucks. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. I guess. <laughs> but they're not making any more. They're not. And I, it is a collector's jacket. It's a serious jacket. And I did a whole thing on it actually on the show, a show and tell. I do a segment. Fun. And so I did a little research on it. It's a moleskin jacket. It's a French moleskin jacket. It's the worker's jacket. They say it's the Levi's jacket of France. The vintage Levi's, because you know the denim is kind of the historic worker's jacket yeah. type thing. Well, I guess the moleskin, because it's such fine fabric that it's tough. Mm-hmm. And so when you 
the workers would wear them because it was a durable jacket and it would last a long time. But it's cool because it has this patina and it fades like a sun fade. Moleskin does? This moleskin jacket. Interesting. Yeah. And so it has like a, a, I don't know, like a sun fade where it just, it looks awesome. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. I'm a big um, sucker for finish. Yeah. For a good finish on like a truck or on a jacket or on a piece of jewelry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta have the good tarnish. But yeah, real quick, let me ask about your hat. Okay, what do you want to know? What is it? It's a Stetson. Okay. What yeah. you, did you add to it? Yeah, yeah, I added the hat band, and then uh, this is a medicine wheel made out of porcupine quills. And then this is a, if the feds are listening, an artificial <laughs> golden eagle feather that my father gave to me on the, <laughs> on the day oh, no. that I married my wife. Yeah, no feds here, guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, well, cool, man. I think we'll stop it there. Okay. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. You want to plug anything? Uh, I don't know. I don't really, I guess, uh, listen to, or go find my only passenger, uh, Instagram.com slash my only passenger. Uh, catch me on the road with Toby Mac and the DC, whatever yeah. his band is. Yeah. DC talk. Yeah. 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 All, uh, <laughs> and the DC. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll be with them all, uh, all fall and all spring. So cool. Yeah, man. Thank you, Hunter. Love you. Bye.